we went back to probably basics. We, we started to do the jobs, uh, you know, the dirty jobs better than what we have been doing. And, and we formed an identity. And I think over the last two, three games, I think what we formed, we're forming an identity that, that, that suits the way that, that is successful in this league. Yes, this one actually counts as a victory. Hola and hello to todos and everyone. You are tuning in to the number one weekly and bilingual Inter-Miami-focused podcast that provides you with all the latest team news, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much more via a team of seasoned South Florida-based reporters. We are, of course, talking about Miami Total Football Radio, back yet again, just for one episode this week. Just one. There's only one match to rewind and recap, and one match to preview uh, that's coming up this weekend. So, just one this week. We'll probably have two again next week, if we can do it, since it's another busy stretch for Inter Miami, who is back in the win column after a very trying and frustrating Losing streak slash winless run, depending on which competition or competitions you look at. Joining me this week are both of the co-hosts who split the duties last week, but they're here to make one happy tribe on this week's show. I'm, of course, talking about Jose Armando, a.k.a. Island Jose, and Andrea Yanes, a.k.a. Ajicita. Guys, how are you doing? Last week was pretty busy. Getting back into the flow of things over a regular week. Jose, I start with you. How's it going this week? Hey, um, I, I mean, it's, it's good. I think it's it's a good time to be a sports fan here in South Florida and to work around sports because, you know, it's pretty exciting with um, obviously the Miami Heat winning. And um, I'm not going to mention the Panthers because I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie. I don't watch the Panthers at all. But I guess some people might be happy about that. So um, and enter Miami finally. They're able to win, and they'll have a busy schedule at home during the month of May. So I guess it's it's good to be in South Florida nowadays. So I'm, I'm happy to get things going here. Andreita, how are you today on this fine Tuesday evening? Real, but I'm laughing because Jose is trying to put Inter Miami's first win in two months at the same level as the Heat and the Panthers. So let's start with that. <laughs> well, happy to be here. Happy to be here. Uh, Jose se estaba metiendo por la colada, as we say in Spanish, metiendo de colada with that. But uh, we're here to talk about the game, to talk about what's coming, to to, to give our opinion as always, and uh, uh, to give the opinion to the fans who are excited because finally the team won after all those games without winning. So excited to be here. You guys don't sound too enthused. I don't hear much enthusiasm out of you. This week, were you guys not convinced by the victory? Actually, hold those thoughts. We will get to them. We will get to them. Uh, we haven't said this in a while, but if you do not, please give us a follow on all our social media channels YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Miami Total Football or at MIA Total Football, a variation of those things. But a quick Google search will pull that up. And if you're reading it in Spanish, of course, it'll be at or arroba Miami Total Football. Radio. So, Jose, Andrea, we've got a lot to talk about. Let's get to it. 
All right, guys. So, Inter-Miami, after seven MLS matches, finally came out victorious once again. Snapping the losing streak, six-game losing streak in MLS play, which tied a league franchise record or a franchise record in league play. And a seven-game winless run across all competitions, which was a new franchise record. And Inter-Miami did so by going on the road and pulling out a surprise 2-1 victory over the Columbus crew. Leonardo Campana led the way with a brace. Goals in the 7th and 41st minutes. Cucho Hernandez scored for Columbus to equalize in the 10th, but Inter-Miami found uh, the go-ahead goal, and they held on for the three sorely needed points. Not only for the standings, but just for the overall morale of the team. This was the starting lineup that Inter-Miami went with. You had, I would say, it was a 5-2-2-1 formation. If you want, you can call it a 5-4-1. If you want to move the wingbacks further up the field and label it something else, you know, Fine, but I would label it a 5-2-2-1. And this was the 11. Drake Callender and goal from right to left. You had Corentin Jean as the right wing back. And your three center backs were DeAndre Edlin, Serhi Kristoff, Kamal Miller. Left side was Franco Negri as the wing back. The first line of the midfield, you had joint sixes. You could say joint eights, however you want to look at it. But you had Dixon Arroyo and Jean Mota. Ahead of them, playing as joint tens, Benjamin Cromashi and Nicolas Stefanelli. And then up top, Leonardo Campana. All right, guys, we know the lineup. We know the score. We can talk about the tactics. We can talk about all of it. And we will, of course, absolutely. Jose, I start with you once again. What did you think about the victory? A sorely needed victory, given everything that's gone on over the past almost two months. But just your quick biggest takeaways from the 2-1 to one road victory. Um, I would say that um, there were some positives. There were some positives, I think. Uh, obviously, campaign scoring is a positive. I think um, Cremachi having a good performance is also a positive. Um, but I think it was a lucky win, to be honest with you. I think they... they they had a good night. You know, they, they were on a, on, a, on a horrible run for, for quite a while. And finally, things went their way. I say that, you know, given the, the way the game, um, the, the way the game went for Inter-Miami in terms of scoring early, it's a good goal, by the way. I'm not taking away anything from the goals. But there are some factors that I take into account to consider this a, a lucky win. And the first one would be, you know, the way the team played in the second half no, 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 against no, no, no. the team. On, like... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I want to dive into the tactics and the performance. I just want your overall quick, quick biggest takeaway. So you think no. you think it was lucky? Yeah. It was a lucky win. It was a lucky win. Okay. The way the way the team played in the second half against Columbus, you know, that's not going to happen very often that they don't score. Celarayan didn't have a good game, which is something that's not going to happen very often as well. So to me, you know, this was a game that if it happens again this weekend under the, under the same circumstances, I would say Columbus win it, w- wins that game 4-2 easily. So it was a lucky night 
for them. But I, then again, I give them credit for Cremachi, for Campania the goals. But overall, if they score two goals and play the same way, I think they end up losing that game nine games out of ten. So I don't agree that it was lucky, but I agree with certain things you said there in terms of the performance put forth, which we will dive into. Andrea, your quick overall biggest takeaways from this triumph. Well, I agree with Jose. I don't think this win means progress. I don't think this win this win means that they're going to play better and they're going to get going from here on. I just think that it helps them. It helps calm down the waters. That is a is a a traducción from a saying in Spanish, calmar las aguas for Phil to to remain as the head coach for Inter Miami. But I don't think it was progress. It was progress by definition because they got three points, but uh, footballistically, it wasn't. So Mm -hmm. that's my opinion. Okay, so I disagree with both of you. I think this is progress. I think for what Inter-Miami was before, this is progress. Right? Not only because they won... But because they pulled they up... They didn't play well. That's... Oh, listen. I'm, I didn't say that they played well. So how but is it progress? Because it's progress from what they were. Because la- before they weren't playing well, and they weren't winning. Not even getting draws. This time... But they played they, better against Houston than they than what they did against... Uh, but so, 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 but so why I think it's progress... And listen, my biggest takeaway is they got the much-needed win. You know, it'll help improve morale. It'll give them more confidence... And it's it's it was sorely needed, like Andrea said, to steady the waters because fans were not happy, and I, I imagine plenty of them are still not happy. But this helps. This helps try to bring some room for positivity, some room for optimism, some room for belief that this thing can turn in the right direction, whether it does or it doesn't. It gives you some hope, some, some, even if it's only a little bit. Gives you something. Because they beat a good team away from home. Inter Miami's first road victory of 2023. So that's that's notable. That's notable. For a team that struggled on the road, hadn't gotten a point on the road, notable. They hadn't even scored on the road. It was notable. Now that said, I agree with you guys. But you knew they were at some point. I mean they were not going to finish the the uh, oh, season oh. without scoring without winning on the Sure, road. but they but they did it in this but game, Jose. Like but they did it in this and game. And it will happen uh, I mean, come on, it will happen to the last place in the league that will go and face fourth, fifth place, and they'll they'll win a game. But they did the it season. in this, this game, Jose. We like we we'll judge the bigger picture when we have more of the season. But in this game, they did what not many people thought they would do, and that was come away with three points against the Columbus Crew team that was much higher in the standings. Now, the performance left a lot to be desired in terms of futbolisticamente, right? From a soccer standpoint, with the ball, wasn't a great display from Inter-Miami. Ratonearon in the second half, right? Like the, the, the Sergio Marcarian, Sergio Marcarian, if you want to say it with an American accent, the head coach, Uruguayan head coach, Coach Peru, and he was known for ratoneando, which I've said before on this podcast is a translation of playing like a mouse because they Inter Miami stayed in its little hole and then scurried out on occasion and then ran back into the hole. That's how Inter Miami played that entire second half to try to close out the game, parking the bus, if you want to look at it with a with a different soccer term. 
It wasn't a great performance from that standpoint, from playing with the ball. They were outpossessed 70 to 30. But they were better than what they've been. Before they were trying to be a possession-based team. And when they were being that possession-based team, they were a team that was possession without production. It was yielding very few goals. It wasn't helping the team to get points or or you know or wins. This time, yeah, they went back to basics. It was crude. It was rude. It was ugly. But that's what maybe this team has to be under Phil Neville to be a better version of Frank, itself. Jose. Franco, you know they will not succeed playing like this. But they weren't they succeeding trying to play, play Jose. Like but they weren't succeeding when they were no, trying no. to play. Yeah, but this is you just a game. That... It doesn't build on anything. This game, Cremarchi had a good game, but he's 18. And it will he, he will not be a constant this whole season. This is something good because it stopped the the results, the the racha that they had. But footballistically speaking, it's not good. What did they show? What did they show? We already know that Campana was the best striker that they had. We already know that. What else did did, did this match show? They didn't defend well. Columbus didn't tie because they were lucky. No, I don't. I, I can't. I can't. I can't say that they, they didn't defend well. I can't say that they didn't defend well. I would say this. I would say this. There's no. There's no team in MLS that would be successful, built in a way that they have. There's a reason why there are no uh, central ba- center backs or DPS in every team. There's a reason, you know. So if you win with DPS in MLS. Then how in the world is this going to work for Inter Miami? So Jose, this, Jose, Jose, you can, you can Jose, put out Jose, a Jose, performance defensively every night. We're, you're, we're going. You're game. We're going from this game to bigger picture, and I don't disagree with what you're saying longer term, and we can talk about that. But focus on this game. Is this progress? I absolutely will reiterate yes. Because when they were trying to be a possession-based team, when they try to play it out of the back and try to build up and combine, and even when they had good moments of combination play, it yielded next to nothing in the final third, and it yielded zero points over almost a two-month stretch. So, yes, from a stylistic standpoint, it would have been pretty at times, but they got nothing out of it. It was no production there. This was the opposite. This was production without possession. They hit when they had to hit. They were opportunistic. They were effective. And that's all they needed to be combining with some, yes, very but dogged. progress when he said all preseason and all this time that they were an attacking team and the Things change, Andrea. And Things change. Things change, Andrea. They are bad. But I'm not disagreeing with you. But no one's saying that they are now the top team in these yes, conference. Exactly. But you are telling people that it's progress when... It is progress. They're Absolutely. not going to see that against Atlanta. I, if they play like that against Atlanta, they're going to get destroyed. It It is progress. Let's it's be progress. real. It's absolutely progress. Now... When you is, see is a that a recipe for success? Three games. That's a different story. They they getting the result. When you see that, you can call that progress. But right now, for a match, for me, it's not progress, especially with what was shown in the field. Again, this is, you, my you can't you can't you can't take away from the organization that they played with, from the determination, the commitment that they had defensively. There were some good things there. Yes, did they throw numbers behind the ball? And Leo Campana was playing, uh, you know, 60, 70 yards from the opposing net. 
Yes, he was playing almost practically as an eight rather than Red a nine. Goal. But yeah, but I agree with all that. I agree with all that. But there so are so how positives. can you call that progress? Because they they performed to a level performed that they had to what no, level. They didn't. They, they didn't. only got that result. They only got that result. They didn't perform. Because against Houston, they did good things. They had several chances and they couldn't finish. Those are good things as well. They did it. They just couldn't finish the play, but they ended up losing the game. And, you know, I mean, everybody was criticizing. Now that they won a game under worse circumstances than what they than the ones that they play against uh, Houston, now all of a sudden there's progress. I mean, I don't real. think this real. team will be team. a possession-based team. Like unless unless something changes, unless that they bring, we don't, that um, we don't know. What we know right now is that you know the way they played against Columbus, there's no way that can be sustainable in MLS. There's no way. I mean, if if they want to win possession or not, if you play that way in MLS, you will not be successful, and you know it. So you I agree it. with you. I agree with you on that. I agree that the defensive-minded, park the bus and try to hit on the counter seldomly and, and be opportunistic, that long-term, I don't think that's a formula for success. In other leagues, yes. In MLS, very difficult because the defenders are not at the level of the attackers, generally speaking, as something you alluded to with the DPs, right? The DPs go to the attacking positions more often than not. So I agree with you that long-term, parking the bus wouldn't be a recipe for success. But if this is Inter-Miami getting back to basics and then having to build from there, then I think that's progress. Because what we saw what before... Basics? What w- basics? When they spent ba- all the season... Uh, what are the attack- so one, they, Andrea, they things change, Andrea. Things change. Franco, and they clearly... cannot they- change like that when you have been saying for all this five months of this year... Absolutely, you can change. Absolutely, you can change. Absolutely, you can change. You have to call that out. You have to call that out because then it was not real. It wasn't real. No, 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 no. They could have had their idea to be this type of team. And listen, they tried to be that team. They tried. And it was not working. So what happened? They had to go back to the drawing board and start from scratch. This game, tactically, you could see it. You didn't see Drake Callender. I think I saw one play, and it was in the second half. One play where he played it short on a goal kick. And then that that immediately led to a short pass to Serhi Christoph, who boomed it forward to Leo Campana. And over the course of the 90 minutes, that was Inter-Miami's, not, not the short pass, but that was Inter-Miami's approach in terms of just hoofing the ball forward, rifandola, raffling it to the midfield, and hoping that they could win a second ball and build from there. They did not want to build out of the back. They did not want to try to be a possession-based team. And Columbus, maybe the opposition and the midfield that the crew have, maybe that has something to do with it. But this was Inter-Miami simplifying things. And yes, again, it was not pretty. But it's Man. a step in the right direction for what they were. They can play all the pretty soccer you want. You can have all the pretty soccer you want. We've said it for several weeks now. Oh, yes, they had possession. But it doesn't mean anything if you don't translate that into goals. And they didn't. And they hadn't been. This time, with the little possession that they had, they got two goals. One of which came off a set piece. Which, again, I think is progress. Because this team could not score on a set piece. They had scored one in the first game of the season. And I think that was it since then. So, yes, there are signs Small signs of progress. I'm not saying they're going to go on a six-game unbeaten run now in MLS play, but it was progress. 
Now we'll switch gears because we clearly, clearly we don't agree. Clearly yeah, we don't agree. We're not going to agree okay. with that because no. the way you address good signs, I guess it depends on if it ends on a goal or not. No, because it's how bad they were, Jose. It's how bad no, they were. about set pieces and because they scored on a set piece and they didn't since week one, then thinks that's a good sign. How about the times that they executed the play well and they, you know, because of a, a, a great save from a goalkeeper or the ball hits the post, those are those are good things as well. Na- okay, so name me that example. So name, name me. So you I can mean, say. That's not the way you judge. So you can say it, sure. Positive things. Absolutely. So, but you just you just mentioned, okay, uh, a play where they hit the crossbar on, on a set piece or where, so give me the play where that happened. Do you have an example? No, no. Okay, so, so, you don't, think, so you don't have one. Against Houston, they did they they did have they did have positive things then because against Houston they did it they just didn't finish on goals they were not goals so they were positive things against Houston and you're you're telling me now just because the ball was in the back of the net and it, again when when the match finished against Houston they they dropped that game I never heard you say positive things because they did some good things here and there. I, def- I definitely 100% said against Houston, they created chances, they created half chances that they should have, you know, hope you would hope to put some away, but it wasn't enough clear-cut chances to but make the difference. At that point, you didn't, you never mentioned progress. You never said progress. They're making progress because they did, they did positive things. What I'm telling you is, this is not progress. This is a lucky win. They managed to score on two go- on two occasions they had. Very well done. The first goal is a beautiful goal. And the second goal, it's it's a, it's a well executed play. They did it twice. They won the game. They should have lost the game because of the way they play in the second half against Houston. They had chances. They having more chances, more positive things, quote unquote. So, so I, mean, I, 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 I don't I don't I don't agree with that at all. Like I, I agree that being good with the ball is the best recipe or the best formula for success. I agree with that philosophy and I agree with that approach. But that is not the only way to win games. It's not the only way to win games. So while I agree longer term, I've said that already, Jose. Longer term, I don't think that this formula works to consistently win matches. It did in this one. And maybe going forward, maybe they don't win a game. But maybe they get a draw on the road. At home, I don't think they can play like this at all. I think they need to of course, have more of the ball and try to play a bit more. Away from away from home, you get a goal, you want to play like this. I mean, you're not I mean people aren't gonna like it from a stylistic standpoint, but it could prove effective to help them get points. And you it, know it won't work. Come on now. You know it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. It's never going to work. How many times and and this can relate to any football fan in the world, how many times have you seen your team Winning by a goal in the 60th minute, and the head coach brings a center back in and takes an attacking player out. And who celebrates at that point in time in the game? Who goes like, "Oh man, this is great! Another center back, 60th minute, 30 minutes to go, and we bring another center back in." Why do you think people don't celebrate that? Why do you think people at the 60th minute never ask coaches to take out a striker? an attacking player, and bring in a center back. Because everybody knows if you play defense, if you have a one-goal advantage, and you still have 30 minutes to go, and you decide to play D, then you're in trouble. 
everybody. That's, that's not true. That's I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Because again, not, not an MLS, not an MLS. But listen, Atletico Madrid, Atletico Madrid under Simeone for years was a defensive minded team that sat back, absorbed pressure, and hit and hit when they needed to. Don't go that high. Don't don't don't, don't, don't go that high. But, but why? But why? It's relatively speaking. It's relatively speaking. Again, in MLS, it's a different league. The 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 structure and the way teams are built. But it's not like it's an impossible, an impossible, unthinkable approach. Atlético de Madrid, Jalrada, Mel Falcao, Cunagüero, Diego Forlán, Andrea, Andrea, stay, stay with me, Andrea. Stay with me. Stay, stay with me, Andrea. Stay with me. Relatively speaking. Relatively speaking. You're getting carried away because they got three points. And the positive thing is that they ended their winless run. That is a positive thing. But... For me to sit here and tell people, oh, this is good. This was progress. They're going to be better. I will be lying to them. I would be lying to them. I didn't say that they're going to be better. I said in this game, in this game, you this said was, it was progress. progress. It was progress. progress. Absolutely. Absolutely. To advance from this. Absolutely. I don't think they will advance from this. That's not what progress means. Progress means they, they advanced from where they were. And they took steps forward from where they were. And absolutely they did. Absolutely, they gave up. Disagree. They gave Disagree. up one goal against a team that has Cucho Hernandez and Lucas Elarayan. First half, you didn't even see Lucas Elarayan. I didn't even Cucho, notice him Cucho in the first half. He's coming from an injury, Franco. Please. That that's not because they stopped him. It's because he had a bad night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on. Come that's, on. That's, so you, you can't you can't you can't just take you can't just blame all on. Uh, on him not having a good night and not give them any credit for helping to not have him have a good night. Like it, it doesn't just go one way and not and not and not both. So the, they, I they uh, dominated the ball. That's that's fine. That's fine. Inter Miami. Inter Miami didn't try to fight for the ball. Inter Miami wasn't looking for the possession. We would have seen another result. That is the truth. I'm gonna tell you this. We saw that is next time. The next time Inter Miami. The next time they have a lead, 60th minute, and they bring a center back in and they end up losing the game 3-1, I don't want to see you criticize the coaching staff for making that decision because you just told everybody right now that that is perfectly fine. That is good. That works sometimes. That might work. Again, Jose, again, again, let's let's make it clear. Let's make it clear. Let's make it clear. If you have really good defenders – Right, and you were a really good defensive team. That approach is not crazy talk. That approach is not blasphemous. Right, you see it around the world. Really good defensive teams can get away with that because they're very good defensively. Now in MLS, now in MLS, now in MLS, in MLS, it's tougher because the balance of the rosters are not the same. I agree with you fully there. So, yes, if I see a center back come on in the 60th minute in a different game, I might have a different thought about it in MLS. Because Inter-Miami doesn't... Like, who are Inter-Miami shutdown defenders? Kamal Miller's pretty good. You could say Serhi Kristoff is solid. Is McVeigh a shutdown defender? Is DeAndre Yedlin a shutdown defender? Is Franco Negri? No. So, yes, I agree with you that longer term this is not... I keep reiterating the same thing. It's not necessarily a formula that's going to lead to a lot of victories. But is it progress in this game from what it was? Absolutely. All right, we'll move on because we're just going to keep agreeing to disagreeing. Let's move on right. to individual performances. Campana scores a brace. Your thoughts 
on his return, not his return to the lineup, but his return, his haul, getting his first two goals of the campaign against the Columbus crew, and that proving decisive. He was named the MLS Player of the Week, or voted MLS Player of the Week, as well as being named to the MLS Team of the Week, alongside head coach Phil Neville, which I imagine you guys think is ridiculous, judging from the uh, analysis that you guys have just given me. Yes. Yes. I can say it. It is. Le- not Leo, but Phil, yes. But um, with Campana, we have to say that first goal, it was very intelligent from him. You can see his all his capabilities displayed on that first goal because he creates space. He already knows what... Uh, 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 Benjamin, uh, even though Franco gets mad when I call him that, Cremacci was going mad. to do. He he gets um, he anticipates. He uses his body and he does what he does best. That is why he was uh, promised from Ecuadorian football when he, when he debuted there and he went to Europe so quickly and so young. That is Campana. And uh, in the second goal, well, what can you say after that ball that Mota puts for him? It, it, it is what it is. That is as simple as it gets gets for a, a striker like Campana. And uh, uh, you really, Inter Miami have a really good player in, in Leonardo Campana, a good, a good goal scorer. And in this game, it was his ability and his readiness, his capabilities that put him up, up there. Jose, Jose your thoughts on Campana scoring two goals? And what, um, and, what, I, and what that means overall, bigger picture for the team. I, I think it's obviously it's it's good for the team. It's just a shame that he's not put in a position where he can do that consistently. You know, if the team continues to defend for 60 minutes, then he's not going to have a lot of chances. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to to score in maybe one or two opportunities every game. So hopefully, you know, the team does a better job in, in setting up his their, their best player, probably. Um, I don't know, maybe with go, going with two two strikers, maybe that's something that will help him more because, you know, he did score on two opportunities and, you know, that's not going to happen every night. So uh, that's what I expect from Campana. You know, I expect him to finish those chances. I think it was obviously a, a good performance, an efficient, effective performance up top, the type that Inter Miami has not had, right? They've had chances, they don't put them away. This one, they didn't have a whole lot of chances. They had five shots on target, eight overall in total. And he put two of those five shots on target away. So needed what he had to do or had to do what he needed to do. And that proved enough. And that proved enough, which is, again, for me, progress from where they were because they did not have that before. And for me, using a Spanish phrase here, to me, this game shows that Inter-Miami has a campandencia. Right? Like a dependencia, pero de campana. A campandencia. So, in English, it means a dependence on Leo Campana. An over-reliance, if you will, on Leo Campana. If Campana is injured, if Campana misses some games because he's uh, away on international duty, then I think Inter Miami is in a world of trouble. Because when he hasn't been available, which was much of this, this uh, these first couple months of the season... They struggled in a big way. Joseph Martinez is not where he needs to be. Schneider Borgelin, although he's shown flashes, he's a young guy still cutting his teeth in MLS. So Campana absolutely needs to be available for as much as possible for Inter Miami to have its best chances of winning, which is not a great thing because you need to be able to function as a group even without 
a star player. Maybe not to the same level, but you need to be able to function somewhat. And it's clear that it's Miami has not been able to. have a clear idea. Yes, they don't have a clear idea. They don't know how to play. They don't know which players go in which position. I agree with they that. They don't know that. I agree they don't with have that. that. I agree with that. I agree. I definitely agree with that. I still don't think Fernando knows problem. what the team is. Mm-hmm. Like in this game, I thought, like for example, getting away from Campana, I thought Stefanelli had one of his better games in recent in the recent stretch, and he was playing as a joint ten, given liberty to move out on the left. Uh, you know, Inter Miami as a whole, but especially with Stefanelli in that first half, they did a lot of balls into those half spaces where Stefanelli and Kramashi were in. And then Stefanelli looking to switch the point of the attack to the other side. And that's how the first goal comes to be, right? Because Stefanelli receives the ball. He plays a sublime diagonal ball into Kremashi, who... I don't, I don't think the Stefanelli pass has gotten enough uh, notice or enough attention or enough love, enough flowers. But he plays a great diagonal ball into Kremashi. Kremashi, yes, heads up play, no pun intended, nodding it forward to Campana. And then Campana taking the space that was in behind and finishing it through the five hole to make it 1-0 in the seventh minute. An early lead, a dream start for Inter Miami. But that that type of play we saw repeatedly in this game, those little dinks in behind, those little lob passes in behind. Sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't. But that's what we saw from Inter Miami often. And this one, Stefanelli looked good at times. Not always, but at times. But I still don't know what his best position is. I still don't know where he fits. And I don't think Phil Neville knows. And that's still a question. How will this team play? Are they going to play this 5-2-2-1 formation all the time? I don't think so. They might stick with the five at the back, but they I don't think that midfield stays in that little box that we saw. So I think, I agree with you, Andrea, that they don't have a clear idea. I don't think they have a clear identity, but I think that this, again, not to uh, get back to it, but I think this is a step in the right direction because it helps them now have a foundation, whereas they're going to have to say, yes, look, we, we, wanted to, we set out to be this type of team when preseason began. And it didn't work. We can't be that team. Now we have to be a different type of team. Adjusting to adjusting to what you have, when you, clearly the results haven't have been showing you that what you want to be isn't you, it's not working. You know, there's there's merit in that. There's merit in that. I think so. But anyway, we'll see how the rest I, of the games play out coming in the next few weeks. Again, I, I don't I don't think they're gonna win. I don't think they're gonna win a whole bunch of games playing like this. But I think it's a it's a step forward. Not because they won, just because they did. What they had to do right. They defended well and they scored when they needed to. And that's it. I just want to say something. Uh, we, we've been talking about Campana's goal, but the best goal in this match was Cucho Hernandez's goal. That was a beauty. Only, only surpassed for me, who should have been the player of the week just because of the beautiful goal he scored. What? And it's Cristian oh. Benteke with his Chilena. And Cucho uh, excuse me. Oh. Excuse me. We're Peruvian here. We say chalaca. We don't say chilena. Just FYI. Um, <laughs> which which, <laughs> trans- which translates to a bicycle right? kick. Yes, yeah, for the bicycle English bicycle for the English listeners. There's but, a whole rivalry. Hold on. Let me let me break it down for the English listeners. There's a whole rivalry between uh, people from Chile and, Chile and people in Peru. It's like you know soccer rivalry. Um, you know historic rivalry. Uh, so Chileans say chilena for a bicycle kick, and that's that's kind of gained most of the traction in Latin America. Peruvians insist it's chalaca, um, but like I said, bicycle kick nonetheless. Anyway, Andrea, continue. Chile. Yeah, so so I really like Cucho Hernandez's goal, and it proves that with this style of play, not only it was a beautiful goal, but it proves that with this style of play, Inter Miami can have many problems because, for example, against Atlanta, they're going to leave spaces like that, and Atlanta have 
Thiago Almada, who's having a great yes. season, who's going to make them pay. For me, this strategy is not for the long run in MLS. Because and, and that's you, fine. You got, that's fine. You got these points. You got these points right here. You got this result against Columbus that helps you, helps Phil especially. Phil is the, the most beneficiado with these three points, to tell you the truth. And of how I see it, he is the one that is getting the highest praise because with that, he MLS giving him that... Um, Mercadotecnia, that publicity stunt for the best uh, coach when you have Wayne Rooney over there available. Uh, for me, he is the, the the one that gets the most from these three points. But analyzing that Cucho Hernandez goal, if you keep playing like this, you're going to leave spaces oh, like that no, and you're going to get no, scored. No, Andrea, because I, something I think you guys have both failed to, to acknowledge and um, talk about here in terms of the performance, which is fine if you guys still don't share the opinion, but I haven't heard you guys say that the Columbus crew have a very good midfield, a very strong midfield. So while against other teams, again, I agree that this this style of play might not work. Against the Columbus crew, in this game, it did work. And guess what? You're not going to be able to go toe-for-toe in terms of that midfield, unless you have a very technical and very strong midfield. Does Inter Miami have a very technical and very strong midfield? No. I would say no, based on what we've seen. They have technical players, but is it a very strong midfield that bosses possession and dictates the tempo and really uh, puts their stamp on the games? No, I I wouldn't say that. So... Why would you go toe-for-toe with Columbus in that aspect, right? Like, if you're if Columbus is going to have the ball, I don't see anything wrong with letting them have the ball, and then you're just trying to defend with numbers and staying organized and compact. Now, obviously, if it doesn't pay off and you make mistakes and the other team scores on you twice, then clearly your tactic failed. In this one, the tactic did not fail. They didn't, Drake Callender, I think, had to make one very good save. One very good save. Besides that, he made routine saves. He wasn't tested and like oh highlight real level saves that are going to be on his package when his agent is you know trying to offer him over to Europe like like he wasn't overly tested and that's why the defense I think played well well enough because he wasn't overly tested and they got and they did enough to get the three points I agree long term with you guys that's probably not a recipe for success but against the Columbus crew against you know a very talented for people that don't know a very talented South Florida product Aiden Morris plays for the Columbus crew in that midfield 21 years old he's from Fort Lauderdale I think plantation if I'm not mistaken you know he, he's one of the up-and-coming midfielders in Major League Soccer he's already won an MLS Cup and he's pretty darn good alongside Darlington Nagby who is a former U.S. Men's National Team player who's considered widely in MLS as one of the most if not the most technical central midfielder in MLS so against that team I don't have a problem with the way that they went about it, especially, especially with how things unfolded on the field. Now, going back to the other young South Florida product that was on the field for Inter Miami, making his first start, Benjamin Kremashi. And he starts the game and becomes the youngest player for La Rosa Negra to get an assist with that headed pass to Campana for that seventh minute opener. What did you guys think about not only the assist, but just the overall body of work, the overall performance by the 18-year-old? Jose, I start with you here. I think it was good. 
I think it, it's still a work in progress. I think you know he's too young for 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 anybody to believe that he'll be the Alejandro Pozuelo this year. I mean, he cannot put a, that responsibility on him. So you know he needs to continue to develop, and you know you're gonna go through. Uh, good times, and I think that's what's happening right now for him. And I think he probably worked hard to get to this point. So um, it's it's good. It's good for the team. It's good for him. But you know, it's uh, I think it's part of the process for a for a young player. He, I think it brought a lot of energy, and I think that's the main thing. Aside from the assist and um, and and his technical ability, which we all know it's there. I think the one thing that really helped Inter Miami. Especially in the first half, of course, it, it was the energy that to the to the middle of the field. Jose, you said the Pozuelo. You you, can, you said you're not going to expect him to be a Pozuelo type, um, but he's not really that type of player. No, but I mean, he's not going to be the player that's going to change the tide. See what I did right there? Yeah, <laughs> he's not the player that is going to change things for Inter Miami like Pozuelo did it last year. That's what I'm trying to say. Right, I mean, he's not, but he's not even a ten. He in this game he played as a joint ten, right? But he's not a ten. You could, I think, you could see that clearly in this game that even though he got an assist with his head, with his head, like he's not a ten. He doesn't have that in his arsenal. He's he's an eight. He's a central midfielder. Unless he develops some new uh, skills that can I'm make him play as a ten. I'm not expecting him to to assist on on Saturday, then on Tuesday, and then again the next weekend. You know how it is in South Florida. There's a lot of overreaction. So I'm just saying, he's not going to... I mean, he's a good player, gets the assist, a lot of credit. And I, I mean, it's, he's going to be a good player in the future. I don't know if for Montreal or for maybe other team, but he's going to be a good team, a good player, I should say. And, um, but yeah, he's, he's not going to change the season for Inter Miami. That's what I'm trying to say when I compare him to Pozuelo. Got you it. agree that Pozuelo changed the season in 2022, right? Right, I, mean, I was just making sure you weren't trying to compare him positionally because he did play as a, as a joint 10 here in the half spaces, but I don't think that's where he's going to be for much of his career because I don't think his skill set suits that. I think he's an 8, and in this game, with the way Inter-Miami played, right, because they didn't have a whole lot of creative players out on that field, right? Like, who would you say is creative in, in that starting lineup based on the, the team that uh, that we named earlier? Stefanelli? Stefanelli. Campana's got yeah. some creativity, although he's not uh, he's not a, a string puller, but he's got some creativity with his feet in terms of the flicks and, and passes he can make. Who else? Who else? Anybody yeah, else? Gene, Gene Mota has some, but besides ah, that, but he, he was he was far away from. But that's what I'm saying. So so I mean, Kremashi's not not a player that you expect to be a string puller to to help on a consistent basis uh, create chances for others. So he did his role, you know, hizo su función. Um, did a lot of the dirty work, a lot of running, um, helped move the ball around. But, you know, it was, it was a solid outing uh, and, and something for the teenager to build on. I do think there was slight overreaction in terms of some of the things that were said post-game and, like, how much was made of his performance. It's definitely a solid performance. Don't don't get that wrong. But it wasn't a wow performance either. It wasn't like he was so dominant on the field that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's Are something you surprised? to are you surprised? I'm not surprised, but, but I'm just you know I'm just yeah, letting it be we, known. We my have thoughts. the the we have the the responsibility to tell people that because then listen what happens is that he comes out and says that like with Bryce Duke that he was not good enough to play in the position that he wanted. So 
after saying that he he was a talent and was the most talented player in the for the future in this team, and and then he said that he didn't have the ability. I don't know so, who he is, Andrea. You gotta tell me who he Bryce is. Bryce Duke, I said. No, no, no. Bryce who who said that about Bryce Duke? Oh, Phil. Okay, I'll just make it sure. So, sure. so yeah, for for me, uh, Benjamin had. Uh, I agree with you both uh, that he brought the energy and he brought something different. And he no se achicó, as we say in Spanish, when he had that responsibility of coming in and replacing Pizarro in the in the lineup. He did it against Miami FC, but that was in the cup, and he had the responsibility of doing it in this match against a better opponent than them. And and he didn't he he didn't fold he didn't uh, he didn't he wasn't afraid he was up for uh, the challenge he was up yes, for the challenge he was up for the challenge even though as you said he that is not his position but um, I think he's going to keep growing he's going to keep growing I think uh, with him and and David Ruiz Inter Miami may have uh, may have two good players for the future in that midfield so one more note. Because again, if you if you look at the the formation and the starting lineup, it's a team that was not meant to push forward and attack with numbers. This was a team that was definitely looking to be more conservative and hit when they could, and they did, and they did. Uh, now, one thing that I didn't mention, uh, going back to Campana, that I did like, and it, it kind of ties into to Cremashi, because although Inter Miami didn't have the ball for long spells, when they did have the ball at times, especially late in the first half. They knocked it around okay. And I think Kremashi was uh, a big part of that. A little bit sharper, I think, than, than maybe Stefanelli, who was maybe tasked with taking more risks and trying to do things on the dribble a little bit more because he was the el creativo, the creative one in that midfield. Um, I liked what Campana did in terms of his hold-up play, his link play, his ability to get others involved and keep the ball circulating. La circulaba, right? Like, la bajaba... And that's when Inter Miami would be able to keep the ball. The few times they did keep the ball, Campana was very involved, as was Kermashi. So I think that's something that has to be noted in this game. And again, I do think there's an over-dependence and over-reliance on, on Campana, which does, I mean, it doesn't bode well in the sense that if he misses time again because of injury, which he's had you know, a good share of, or if he gets called up internationally, or anything of the like, or his form drops, then there's leaves real questions as to who's going to do the job up top because Joseph Martinez hasn't shown it and Schneider Borgelin is still still working his way back or still working his way into things in Major League Soccer. Uh, all right, let's move on to two more players and there are two players that did not play. And that is, or they are, Joseph Martinez and Rodolfo Pizarro. Rodolfo Pizarro is a DP, Joseph Martinez is not. But, what do we read into the fact that they did not play? I will start here because I feel like we're going to all have very different opinions or maybe you two will have different opinions than me. I will say that, one, it clearly shows that Joseph Martinez is nowhere near ready where he needs to be. He was on the bench, but the option that was chosen ahead of him to come off and enter the game as a substitute, I'm sorry, was Schneider Borgelin. So, yes, this game was not a game where Inter Miami was necessarily looking for goals. They just needed a, a battering ram to bruise and, and challenge and try to win aerial balls like Campana was doing a lot of. And they went to Borgelin because right now he can offer you that in a game in which the game plan was defensive-minded. So, you know, I think that's what you can read into it with Joseph Martin. He's not there yet. Borgelin, in, in this type of game, 
better suited for it. Pizarro, again, again, similar type of thing. Although with him, I think it's a little bit different because I do think he can he can run around and do some of the work and and help you in that way. But it shows that clearly, for me, for Pizarro, also not a game that suits him, and that you know his place in the pecking order is is in question because he he may not uh, be a regular starter. We don't even know what position he plays. Is he a ten? Is he a left inverted winger or um, you know tucked in? You know, is he an eight? Still question as to what he is. But that's what I read into it. What do you guys read into it? I will start with Andrea. Well, I agree with you. Uh, Joseph is not having his best year. Um, not as f- uh, the coach Phil Neville expected, and we talked about him having to bench him earlier. And right now he has Campana, so he can do it freely because he has his replacement, a replacement that is going to get him goals. And with Pizarro, well, I think it's clear. Phil doesn't like Pizarro, uh, how he plays. He hasn't found where to put him or how he plays in the positions that he has tried him. And that is why he doesn't play because for me, it is um, not a good sign when you have a player that is winning millions of dollars even though they didn't whatever you want to say sitting on the bench so for me that is pretty obvious that that is what happened what is happening with with Pizarro and it could be something that that it, it could ruin the team going forward and could be an explanation that uh, of of the bad times that the team was having or is having I don't know how to consider it to say is or are having because they got three points but we're, I guess we're going to see Saturday but uh, um, it, it, it is really for me surprising because in this league you don't see a designated player it's not that that common when that happens it's like what happened with Pozuelo he was not already playing on his last year in, in Toronto but I don't know I don't know. It, it, it could be it could be something. Listen, we've seen when players uh, this happens with players. Uh, I guess we will have to wait and see what is the attitude that Rodolfo Pizarro has to to get through this, or if he, he, what happened with Gonzalo Higuain last year that he had to play him because he didn't have anything else happens. So I guess we will have to wait and see to to see how that develops. Jose, your thoughts on those two players? Those two. Referentes, the two, how would you say, notable players to bigger names not stepping on the field in the victory. What does that say? Yeah, well, I think when it comes to Pizarro, it's, it's to me, it's pretty simple. They just haven't been able to figure out what they really want to do with him. I mean, he had uh, um, opportunities early on in the season to start, to play plenty of minutes. But, you know, it, it seems like, you know, he's not good enough for the coaching staff to play uh, a bigger role um, like his contract dictates. So, um, then again, I always remember that, you know, they didn't want him here. Um, they they wanted to find a way to get him some somewhere else. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's the final word. That, that, that remains to be the final word for me. And when it comes to Joseph, as it stands right now, I think, you know, it, it's nothing near to what they sold when they signed him. So as of right now, it's been nine league matches and, and one cup. So 10 games 
and he's not ready, he's not ready 10 games, why is he not performing? If you go back to the to the presser when they announced Joseph, you know, you felt like they were announcing the Joseph that played for Atlanta United, and it's nowhere near. So were they fooled, or they were trying to sell something that was not there? I think I think I think I think with I think Phil Neville's insistence in in post game press conferences or in press conferences and interviews when he's asked about Joseph and he continues to say repeatedly almost verbatim that he's convinced and confident that Joseph Martinez will score goals. I think in part it's because it's his gamble. So he's got to say that, right? Because it's his gamble. He's the one that by and large from all accounts was the one that pushed to sign Joseph Martinez. So, uh, look, I, I'll give Phil Neville a lot of credit for the way that this game was managed and, and the way they got the, the three points. I know you guys disagree, but I do think that when you know when he has that insistence to say he's convinced that Joseph Martinez will score, it's because yeah, it's his gamble. You know, he's the one that pushed for this, so he's the one that uh, you know has to hope that Joseph Martinez comes good because otherwise it looks very poorly on him. Who pushed for this signing? If if Joseph Martinez does not deliver anywhere close, and right now, almost uh, what about fourth of the way through the season, hasn't looked great. But it's MLS things can change in the blink of an eye, especially at the midway point. So still a lot of football, a lot of soccer left to be played. One more player that we'll talk about very quickly, although I know you guys could probably wax poetry for a long time, is David Ruiz. The Honduran young central midfielder, defensive midfielder, who came into this game as a second-half substitute a day after it was announced that he had signed a first-team deal. Now, he had played twice before for the first team on loan from Inter-Miami 2, but because of that, MLS rules said that he could not dress for the first team unless he was signed to a first team contract. So that is a big part of the reason why he was signed so that he could be on the match day rosters. So very quickly, your thoughts. I won't say on his performance because he came in uh, later on in the match, just helped to close things up defensively. But just on the fact that he has signed uh, a deal for several seasons and is part of the young nucleus that Inter Miami apparently is looking to build up through the ranks. Jose, I'll start with you. Um, I, well, obviously, you know, I think it's it, it's good for him to get this opportunity. Similar scenario to to Enja, I, I would say the same. The one thing that comes to mind, and I think this is something that I said before as well when he when he played the the, the first match for for the first team, I just I just feel like you know they shouldn't rush him just to sell the message that we give opportunities to young players. You know, I think Benja and David are probably the top players in that pool. And um, I think there's a lot a lot of things that, that David will, will get will need to get better on to be consistent in the league. I think there are still ways to go for him, several things that he needs to improve. And this is obviously a good step, but I just hope they are not just playing him because they want to sell that message of Inter Miami and young players, which is something that you know we have debated here before. And their message was sold in part post game. Phil Neville on the young players quote: "They've got the quality. They've got the desire. That group of kids is going to play games and play major minutes." End quote. That sounds good. 
Let's see. Let's see if the proof is in the pudding when the season I don't when the season. <laughs> well, let's see. let's see. Let's see when the season ends if that is the case. Because look, I'm you know, I'm with Jose that I think that there's talent there. There's good starting points like there is with with Benjamin Kramashi, although I think Benjamin Kramashi has a higher ceiling. Well, that is see. going to the World Cup and but let's see. not going to the World Cup. But let's see when things get tougher, when the games get more crucial, or when Inter-Miami has to win games, right? They, they put in Benjamin Kramashi from the start in this one over someone like Pizarro. I think part of that was because they were looking to be more defensively solid, right? Going back to what I said earlier, than attack-minded. But let's see. In home games, if Benjamin Kramashi gets the starts consistently, if David Ruiz is coming off the bench consistently, let's let's see when the papas queman, when things are heating up consistently, if Phil Neville turns to them and trusts them in big big moments. Historically, that hasn't happened with Inter right. Miami. So let's no, see. So let's see. No Allen, Edison Oscona, we haven't seen them. Right, so, so that's what I'm saying. Let's let's see, let's see. But anyway, veremos. Dijo un ciego, as we say in Spanish. <laughs> uh, I, I do, I do think, I do think, like at this point, right? Just for just for example, like if you're going to bring someone off the bench to try to help win a game, like from a defensive posture, Victor Yo or David Ruiz or Victor Yo or Benjamin Kramashi, I think you go with the young guy. I think you 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 take that gamble not only to help. Give them more experience, more rodaje, but just to just because I mean Victor Ulloa, he's, he's at an advanced stage in his career. I'm not saying he's close to retiring, but he's definitely uh, physically not going to get much better, and technically and tactically probably not going to get much better. He's a good locker room guy, good to have around, good as a depth piece. But if you have to make that decision, I think you go with the younger guys as opposed to Victor Ulloa, who's who's not necessarily going similar, to win you a game. Sim- similar to what I heard last year. When we talked about Gonzalo Wayne, FYI, right? That's too old, younger player will be better. I don't know. I, I think, think it's a little young... bit disrespectful to Victor Ulloa, to be honest. That he yeah. doesn't get it. I was going to say I that. I think it's a little bit disrespectful. If you, I mean, if come you, on. If you think he can play if, 20 minutes. He can play 20 minutes. I'm not saying he, he can't post it. I'm not saying he can play 20 minutes. Who's saying he can't play 20 minutes? I'm saying if you have the option of going to David Ruiz, who's part of your longer-term plan, or Benjamin Kramash, who's part of your longer-term plan, or Victor Oyoa to do that role of playing the six to help close out a game, I think you go with the younger guy. Just that, just because you won, you get Rolaje, and I think they're better players probably now, or at least they're worth the gamble of giving them the experience, than putting Victor Oyoa. That's what I think. That's just so me. there's no value to experience there is. No value. There is. If Victor Ulloa was uh, was able to command more of a presence or make more of an impact when he's on the field. The games that we've seen him in this season, I mean, have you really noticed him? Okay. All but right. They don't but... give him a chance. He doesn't have a chance. Victor Ulloa, he, he doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, if you talk to, if you talk to Phil about Victor Ulloa, he'll 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 write a book about him, saying beautiful things. But if you if you tell him give him five minutes, I guess no is the answer, and that's it. I mean, again, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing because maybe that's a sign of them now actually turning to some of these younger players. But anyway, David Ruiz has signed a contract through 2025. There are team options for 2026 and 2027. So he Finally, figures... a Honduran plane for a side in South Florida. Le falta el peruano. We're missing the Peruvian guy and we're missing 
a Colombian, a Colombian guy. Yeah, so. but we'll see. Uh, well, that would be I know, perfect trifecta, right? I know you guys are happy. You guys probably had a baleada over the weekend to commemorate the monumentous occasion. While hey, you, while you did, while you did not invite me that, yet again, while I you did not invite me yet again. I was gonna say something. I was, I wanted to make clear that Franco asked for a baleada, but when he asked, it was already 9 p.m. and the place near FIU was already closed. So that is why he didn't get a baleada in that U.S. Open. I still have, Game, no, I still am baleada less. Just FYI. But, he yeah, will yeah. have a valiada. Sure. When sure. Inter Miami wins the title. Sure. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say you, you, you're sounding like, like uh, Inter Miami post game in terms of talking about all these wonderful things that they're going to do and it never happens. See, so you know what? Maybe you have some similarities, Andrea. Um, all right, let's go to this weekend's upcoming game against Atlanta United. Atlanta United is in third place in the Eastern Conference. Five wins, three draws, two losses, nineteen goals scored in those ten matches, sixteen goals against inter miami which has now moved into 12th place three wins zero draws six losses has scored eight times and given up 10 tallies so inter miami's at home at drafting stadium in fort lauderdale for the first of what will be three games in eight days another another busy stretch for the south florida side jose i start with you once again your thoughts on this match and what Inter-Miami has to do well to win it? Um, I think I think it's a difficult matchup for them. I think overall um, the talent that, uh, that um, Gonzalo Pineda has offensively is better than than what Miami has uh, available but i think for you to win this match i think you have to be aggressive you you this is this this needs to be a high scoring game for inter miami to to have a chance so obviously you count on campana being effective i think you have to take advantage of um, the heat and playing here in South Florida, which is something that they have been able to do. I think it needs to be a high intensity game, um, and and I think that's the only way to do it. I think if 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 they rely on defense, I mean they they don't have a shot. They just don't have a shot. They don't have a shot. There's no way they win that game if they if they play defense again for 60 minutes after scoring the first goal. So, um, I, I would say that they are not favorites to win the game. And uh, I will I will be surprised if they do, but the the lone chance that I would give them is is if they if they are aggressive from the get go. So Tiago Almada is one player to watch here for Atlanta United. He's an early MLS MVP candidate, if not the front runner at this point, um, just because of how well he's playing. The Argentine international racking up goals and assists, and he'll be someone that Inter Miami will be focused on a good bit. A good bit. Now he's the the target of a lot of transfer rumors, or the subject of a lot of transfer rumors. Um, so he, his stay in MLS might not be very long, but expected to play this weekend. Unfortunately for Inter Miami's sake. Now with regards to Atlanta United, they haven't been playing that well as of late. They lost over the weekend to Nashville three to one on the road. Before that, they were eliminated in the U.S. Open Cup by Memphis, 901 FC, and they lost at home. 
Before that, they beat the Chicago Fire 2-1. And prior to that, they tied Toronto FC on the road 2-2. So, it hasn't been the best run of form for the team. But nonetheless, they have firepower and they can make Inter-Miami pay. So, I'm... I think they're going to... Inter-Miami is going to look to have more of the ball. And I think you maybe you'll see some personnel that's a little bit more attack-minded in this one, where you'll have maybe a little bit more attacking pieces on there. But I, I think we'll still see that that back five. I still think we're going to see that back five. Andrea, what do you think in terms of I, the I, formation and the key to the game? I just want to say that Le Payet, last week, last, oh, in the second part of last week, because I told you that he to Columbus was defending. So no 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 time out time out time out see so so I actually I actually you know it's it's I like that you brought that up because now we're going back to the Columbus game but I did think about that very topic uh, over the weekend and I was like you know Andrea said the key to the game was defending and Inter Miami did do a lot of defending I thought the key to the game was being efficient okay. with their chances and they were efficient with their chances now that second goal that Campana scores off the header by the way on the set piece which we didn't really talk about. The goalkeeper se la come. The goalkeeper makes an error there. He comes out to to uh, Casar Mariposas. Mariposa. looking for butterflies because he, he he comes off his line terribly weakly, and it's an easy header. Campana is also not really challenged by any center back. He's got uh, probably one of the easiest headers he'll score in his career. But uh, but nonetheless, they were efficient with their chances, and that also proved vital. So I think we were both right, Andrea. Anyway, uh, for this game, so, since, since you're on a roll, game? since you're on a roll, what does Inter Miami need to do well? And what formation do you expect? For this game, I think it should be a balance. Uh, I'm expecting to for him to keep that back five, but maybe bringing um, other players, um, Pizarro, Robert Taylor. Well, you could see them. Maybe we could see the uh, the lineup that he used the last game that we were at Drive Pink Stadium, and uh, uh, because he's at home. He's at home. For me, it would be unacceptable that he comes out with a back five and you got Cremarchi again starting uh, when he's a defensive-minded player and you're at home, you need to win. I so I he's defensive-minded. Expect... I think he's as mixto, like just, you know, box-to-box. Not yeah, necessarily creative, but not, not, not also super defensive. I think he's just in between. Yeah, yeah, and if he's young, like... Uh, he's not going to be Casemiro or Valverde that he's going to score five goals in three matches. That's what I mean. So I, I don't think that that would be uh, an intelligent thing for Miami to do, especially um, with, with a team like Atlanta. They have not been having the best results, but they have a clear, Gonzalo Pineda has a clear idea of how he likes his team to play. So I would expect the, the back five, but I will also expect uh, the, the technical staff and Phil and, and, and his his assistants to go back to maybe playing with two strikers. So we could see that, or we could see um, Rodolfo Pizarro coming in or Robert Taylor coming in and, and being a start. No way we see two strikers if they're playing a back five. There's, the idea just doesn't... No tiene coherencia to me. Because you're trying to play with two no, strikers. No, because... You 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 can use like like they did. They, they can use Robert Taylor playing at the, as a wingback. Yeah, but what does that have to do? But you're playing two like two strikers doesn't to me doesn't go with five at the back. It's like it's just like two different ideas. But that's just me. Uh, but I think look, I think the key to the game for Inter Miami is to have more control of that midfield. I don't know if they need to win the midfield battle, but have more control of that midfield because I don't think you can. 
park the bus at home for the large stretches and expect to, to come away again uh, with a victory. Even if you are efficient at the other end. And drawing at home is definitely dropping points. So I don't think you can sit back and defend. But I also don't need to think you need to explode going forward and, and attack recklessly. I think having more control of that midfield, you know, taking the sting out of the game at times by controlling the ball, knocking it around, I think that that will be the key for Inter-Miami. If they can do that, then they should have enough chances in the attack that they can put them away to try to earn the three points. And then the defense has to do its part as well. But I think the key to it all is that midfield. And a, and a key to how that midfield performs is Phil Neville's one formation and his personnel decisions. Who comes into that midfield? Does Pizarro slot back in since they want a little bit more possession and probably want to be a bit more attack-minded than they were against Columbus? Maybe. Possible. Uh, maybe Robert Taylor. You know, we'll, we'll see how he goes about it. I think that's, that's the key for the game for Inter-Miami. Anything else you guys want to add with regards to any of that? Jose? Uh, it- I would agree with Andrea with the um, formation that I, I think there there might be a possibility of playing two strikers. I think at some point you have to give Joseph a chance again. So I, I don't think it's going to be as patient as Gonzalo was last year just because he knew it was his last season. I think Joseph will not be okay um, with sitting on the bench for two months. So at some point, you're going to have to give him a chance. And I think you better do it at home. And to be honest, you know, with the amount of games they have at home, I think it, it, it will be a good start. And if you can get them going, that could be the key, the key to, to winning matches at home. You know, if you're going to rely on on Campana for seven matches in the month of May then I think you're going to be in trouble. So you better give it Joseph a chance. It's a very busy stretch for Inter Miami, for sure. Like you said, they play they play six games in May. Or seven. Nope, seven. You're right, seven. Uh, starting with this one on Saturday at Draft Pink Stadium. So, uh, look, I don't know if Joseph Martinez starts in this game. I do think he'll come off the bench at some point, uh, unless Inter Miami's trying to hold on to like a 1-0 lead or a 2-1 lead. But I do think he comes off the bench and maybe... Against his former team, maybe the stars align and maybe he finally finds the breakthrough in a very poetic uh, storytelling type of way. It's reading in the stars. Maybe. La Ley de Lex. La Ley de Lex. La Ley de Lex. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back for a Q&A session and our final thoughts. We'll do that after this. give this question this first one to Jose we're going to divvy it up we're not going to piggyback on each other's questions we're just going to divvy it up it comes from Twitter Jose would any coach on a six game losing streak be able to bench two starters and give an 18 year old their first MLS start while playing away I think this is one of the benefits of a coach having full support from his bosses I don't think Inter Miami would have won that game without Benja Jose your thoughts um, 
I uh, I know I don't know. I'm torn. I think yes. Uh, I think yeah. That shows a little bit of support. I mean, if we really want to take it back a little bit, I I would take uh, that comment more if we related to the starting lineup against Miami FC in Open Cup, because that told me that you know he was comfortable. Because, I mean, if you're fighting for your job, you don't put, you know, reserves or, yeah, reserves on the, on the, on the, on the field. So, I don't know. I would say no, because, I mean, it's not a big a gamble. I mean, we all know that Benja is a good player. So, um, and it's not like they, they, you know, they had much else, you know, at this point. Their backs are against the wall. Nothing's really working. So, yeah, I don't think it's that, it's that big a deal. And, um, again, I, I thought they were lucky. I think they, I don't think that, you know, they didn't win the game because of Benja. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, um, Pizarro could have played and, um, you know, if, if Celarayan was having a bad night and, uh, in Columbus, they were just not clicking, then, you know, they would have won the game as well. So now, no, I, I don't, again, lucky win. <laughs> uh, Andrea, this comes from the genius that is Don Cafecito. And this one's for you, Andrea. Is Catenacio football the winning formula for this current squad? I think so. At least until... Here we go with the pronunciations. At least until we see who signs this summer that could change the tactics like Pozuelo did last season. In the meantime, I feel it's the best recipe for success. So the question, Andrea, from Don Cafecito, is Catenacho football the winning formula for this current squad? And I already know your answer because you went very, very strongly in the first segment. But go ahead. Yes or no? Well, no, I don't think it's going to work in MLS. As we discussed, Don Cafecito has a microphone in our computers because he, he was listening to us arguing in, in the first segment. But I don't think it's the, it's the answer for Inter Miami because uh, it doesn't work in MLS. It doesn't work. Yes, you have to have at least a stable defense. You're not going to have Nesta and Maldini playing here. But you need to have a stable defense for you to be able to win. But that cannot be your focus because in this league, for you to win, to be successful, you need to score a lot of goals. And as we discussed in in in, in the podcast, and I agree with Franco, I agree with Jose, you cannot only depend on Campana. And if they play with that um, mentality, with uh, defending mentality, I don't think we are going to get Campana uh, with... Um, a goal scoring racha because he's going to get tired. He's, he can get injured and all of those factors that go into when you only have one striker that you can count on. So I don't think it's the answer. And two, I don't think uh, also uh, Phil is, is, is a coach that can look at the Nacho very well. So um, yeah, no, I don't think that's the answer. But I agree in the part that maybe in, in the summer they bring someone. Listen, there are options available in Europe of interesting players that they could bring. And I'm not talking about Messi like everyone else is, but there are a couple of other players that they could bring that could change the tide for this team like Pozuelo did last year. So um, I guess that is one of the goals that they have for this uh, mid-season in MLS. 
All right, so my question that I will take is from Doe Snows, and it's something we also talked about in the first segment, but just uh, it's framed a little differently, so I'll, I'll have a quick response. Doe Snows says, I like that we are playing the youngsters with Arroyo coming in and David Ruiz taking the backup role. Should we look to move Victor Ulloa? Does he have any value? Should they look to move him? I mean, it doesn't hurt Chris Henderson to try. To how much value he has, it probably won't be much in allocation money, if any at all. So, uh, you know, you probably want to keep him in there. He's a good locker room guy if you can get something out of him. And, you know, that adds to your funny money haul for the summer, for the MLS funny money. Then, you know, maybe, maybe. But uh, actively looking to try to find someone to, somewhere to move him to, I don't think it's it's necessary. So uh, that'll do it. Although I do want to add Joseph E. It's not his question, but a comment. He said, no questions this week. Just happy to listen to you guys on a week-to-week basis. Keep up the good work. Let's go, Campapi. <laughs> Talking about Campana there. All right. Well, that will wrap up the Q&A session. Final thoughts. Let's make them quick, guys. Let's make them quick. We've talked long. Uh, I guess I'll start. And this is not personal, but I will start with, you know, Phil quote tweeted me the other day saying that Inter Miami won their midweek game when I was telling somebody on Twitter that no, they didn't. And... Listen, Inter Miami did not win that game. They advanced, and they won the penalty shootout. But in the record book, like I mentioned on last week's second pod with Andrea, the official result is a draw. And Phil Neville knows that. He's a soccer guy. He's a football guy. He knows that. I know he's probably trying to drum up in, like drum up the confidence and, and sell the, the message and maybe, you know, Tell the Moss brothers, I won, but that was a draw. That they advanced because they won the penalty shootout. All right, that's it. That's my final thought. Jose. Um, my final thought is on uh, Formula One. We'll be covering this weekend, so um, very exciting. Second year here in South Florida. So really looking forward to that. Um, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun as well. But you only get to do it once a year. So hopefully I get to see some Miami Total Football Radio listeners over there. Um, it should be a lot of fun this weekend here in Hard Rock Stadium. By the way, they have water in the marina now. Not that you're going to go there and jump in the water, but, you know, there's, there's, it's a little bit better this year. Well, I guess if you have $600 to spend, you can go, right? Uh, that was my final thought also, but since I have to improvise, I just wanted to say that officially Inter Miami is having a lot of representation with uh, the World Cup that is now being played in Argentina. Argentina is going to start May 20th, and um, they have a lot of representatives. David Ruiz, the same day that he was announced as a first-team player, was announced. he was announced... Uh, to be part of the um, national team for Honduras, and also Edison Ascona and Israel, both right, are going to be part of Dominican Republic team, which got the worst luck in the drop because they get three world champions in their, <laughs> in their group. They got Nigeria, they got Italy, and they got Brazil. So, But it's going to be fun, and it's going to be fun for Inter-Miami fans to, to see these players because, um, listen, we haven't seen them a lot this year, especially Elison Ascona, who is, uh, for me, as you all know already, because I bored you to death talking about this, my favorite, favorite talent that Inter-Miami has. So... Um, 
I'll remind you when we're closer, but uh, be, be, be aware of that and support the, the young kids that are going to play in that World Cup. Okay, well, and that does it for our final thoughts and for this week's show. We should be back again, hopefully, hopefully for two episodes, although the turnaround between Saturday and Tuesday's Open Cup game, yes, it's a Tuesday night, not a Wednesday night, uh, makes it pretty challenging, but we're going to do our best. Maybe we'll do a rare, very rare Sunday episode dropping on Monday. We'll see. We'll see if we can manage that. But for Andrea Yanes, for Jose Armando, I am Franco Pinizo. You have been listening to a very combative and fiery episode of Mi Amito Radio. We'll talk to you guys again next